Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Light the World podcast, and I'm your host, LT World. If you're new to this podcast, on this channel, we look at cultural and political and issues like that and try to look at them from both sides and see which arguments arguments make the most sense. And we also do interviews on the show and just talk to people who are really interesting, who are impacting culture, and who are involved in like the arts or entertainment and just see what they have to say about what's going on in today's culture. So if those things sound interesting to you, definitely subscribe or follow on whatever podcast channel you're listening to this on. And you can also follow me at Instagram and Twitter and check out my website at ltworld.info for more information. But without further ado, let's jump into it. Actually, wait, <laughs> my bad. I also want to announce that we have another interview coming out. Uh, the end of this month, uh, March 31st, it definitely was fun for me to do, so it was a lot of fun. I definitely recommend you follow and subscribe and keep up to date, because I'll be dropping that at the end of this month, so keep an eye out for that. Now, without further ado, let's jump into it. Today, we are talking about transgenderism and gender theory, kind of both of them. And yes, this is a touchy topic, and so we're going to go forward with discretion, uh, but this episode, we're going to be talking about the history of transgenderism, the history of gender theory in the West, specifically. And then we'll be delving into the next episode, kind of the arguments and the reasonings from both sides. Those who oppose it, those who are for it, and so forth, because that is a very hot topic right now in our culture. And before we start, I do want to define some of my terms. So before we go into the history of this whole thing, I want to define some of my terms. First of all, when I say gender theory, which can be a broad term that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, I want to make clear what I'm talking about. When I refer to gender theory, I am referring to the idea that gender and sex are two separate entities, one being biological, sex, and the other being a social, socially constructed personality traits or qualities. You would call this gender. So we're going, to, we're going to be talking about that. That's what I mean by gender theory. And then when I talk about transgenderism, it is the switching of a man to a woman or vice versa because they do not identify with whichever sex they were born with. So just to make sure our terms are clear as I'm going through this history. And again, this history is going to be from, coming from the idea of how it sprouted out in the West, more specifically in the United States. So yeah that's what the history we're going to be focusing on because i do want people to consider before we go forward here that this isn't new a lot of times when i talk to some of my friends or talk to people sometimes i get this impression that people are like oh this is something new this is not new um this is this is this type of thing has been around for a long time if, for instance if you take if you look in the bible in the bible it talks about cross-dressing so clearly that was a that was something that would happen within the bible times in greek culture they had a lot of interesting sexual practices and a lot of different things that they did for worship and just as general whole in an ancient hindi text um for i, I believe it was an ancient hindi text they had what they called the Sakandi legend which is about a character being born female who then eventually transforms who eventually turns himself into a male or turns male and historians have picked up archives and different things where there's language referring to this type of thing or there's this implication of a man feeling like a woman or vice versa. Therefore, this has been something that's going on for a long time. Whether or not it has always been culturally acceptable, that's debatable, but it's something that's been around since the beginning of time or since the Bible times at the very least, this type of thing going on with gender theory, transgenderism, um, tr gender norms, all that stuff has been around for a while. And every civilization has had their different types of gender rules and stereotypes within the genders. So 
this type of thing has been around for a while. However, we're not focusing on the broad world history, nor are we focusing on ancient history. We are focusing more on the modern Western history of gender theory and transgenderism. And we're going to start first with where did gender theory come from? Because gender theory will lead us into the transgender movement or how transgenderism became a mainline topic. So gender theory sprouted up first from the feminist movement. So in the 60s, this is where we're going to begin. We talked about critical theory. And so critical theory influenced the feminist movement. So if you want to learn more about critical theory, check out that critical theory episode. We're not going to go all the way back to critical theory and postmodernism. We have already talked about that in other pre episodes, and if people want to find out more, check them out. We're going to start in the 60s. So you had the, the, the second wave of the feminist movement happening in the 60s, where there was this separation between gender and sex by the feminists. So the feminists, a lot of them, most of them believed in a binary of some sorts, but they would, they would say that, okay, there are... There are gender traits that are stereotyped for each sex. So they said men have a gender stereotype for themselves driven by culture. Women have a stereotype for themselves driven by culture. This, these are two different things. The physiological, physical body is sex, and therefore women, by definition, are those bodies. But those gender stereotypes that w women are, uh, the feminine stereotypes that women are gentle, kind, or should stay at home, or whatever it may be, those are gender traits given to us that aren't directly connected to our sex. And that's the idea where gender and sex started to get separated within the West, where we kind of see this movement. A famous quote that came from one of these radical feminists during this time was a French ex existentialist philosopher by the name of Simone de Beauvoir. I probably said her name wrong, but <laughs> that, that's how... Uh, I probably said her name wrong, but we'll go forward, moving onward. Um, and she said, one is not born a woman, but becomes one. Her whole point was that when a woman grew up in culture, they were told and influenced to behave a certain way because it was expected of them as being a woman. So that's why she said one is not to be born a woman, but becomes a one because of these gender stereotypes that she grew, they will grow up in. Therefore... This is where the gender theory kind of gets its roots from, from the feminist movement, because it was used as a means to say women are being oppressed by gender norms that are being pushed onto them by society, and these gender norms have nothing to do with biology, therefore we should escape these gender stereotypes, and that was the separation between gender and sex during the feminist movement. However, this eventually bled over into what we would call the LGBT movement, which is now the LGBTQTIA plus uh, community. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I think that's where it's at right now. But they eventually, during the 70s, 60s era as well, um, later into the, the feminist movement, sort of started to adopt this into their philosophy as well. So when all this introduction of musing over gender theory uh, came about in the 1960s, this is when you start seeing transgenderism start cropping up in medical papers. So in the 1960s, you see some of the first mentions of transgenderism, which was mostly used by doctors or by surgeons who were talking about people who were physically changing their bodies to be like the opposite sex than they were born with. So for instance, you, have a, you had a doctor by the name of Olivin who referenced people who physically changed themselves to be the other sex. That was typically what you saw it used for. 
one of the earlier uses of it in regards to how we would come to understand it is by the activist Virginia Prince, originally named Arnold, who used the term to refer to how he didn't identify with the sex, therefore he identified as a woman and would go on to behave like a woman. Although I don't believe he ever changed his sex. He he kept his sex, but then he went on to act like a woman, dress like a woman, and behave like a woman because he identified as a woman. And that's where you start seeing transgenderism, or the term transgender, be used in regard to someone identifying as a different gender. So you had the separation of sex and gender with the feminist movement saying that sex is something you're born with and gender is something pushed on you by culture. Then you had the LGBT community adopt this and say, well, since sex and gender are separate, gender is identity. How I identify with my uh, behavior within culture, how I identify with my traits, my, my traits, if I have more feminine traits and I like having these feminine traits and I like behaving like a feminine person, now I'm a woman because my gender is woman because I'm feminine. And so you see that being adopted within the LGBT community. And then you would go forward into the 90s. And at this point, again, it wasn't very common. It wasn't a mainline issue. A lot of times these the transgender issue and gender theories were held within academia specifically and also within doctors and psychologists. A lot of them were the ones who were throwing these terms around, but it wasn't really mainstream at this point. However, by the 90s, things would start to shift, and that's where you kind of saw the shift within the LGBT movement specifically. So in the 90s, you had the introduction of what they would call gender per per performativity. My bad. You had the, you had the introduction of gender performativity introduced by Judith Butler, a radical feminist and gender theorist, as well as a postmodern philosopher, who claimed that gender is performed meaning that people behave according to societal pressure and that behavior leads to identity. So it's kind of the kind of the reverse idea of like what most people were saying where your identity influences how you behave and she said actually no how you behave influences how you identify. So therefore we should change culture because culture influences how we behave and therefore influences how we identify and normally how culture influences us is oppressive because it doesn't give us freedom to behave how we want to behave. So women are expected to behave a certain way. Men are expected to behave a certain way. Society shouldn't be that way. We should be expected to behave however we want to behave and therefore be free with our gender identity. So you had gender performativity come out during this time that we need to change culture because we ought to be able to behave how we want to and identify how we want to because the two are interconnected. In, in gender performativity's case, behavior comes before identity. In other people's cases, they would say identity comes before behavior. The one just allows itself to be more subjective. So in the case of gender performativity, Judith Butler would say that gender is subjective to how I behave. Therefore, if I change how I behave, it'll change how I identify. While some people might say, well, you're born with a certain identity and you just have to figure it out. And once you figure it out, then you express it. Um, that's a little bit just different in philosophy, but this is in the 90s when you start seeing this crop up and it starts to take wind. In the 90s, when people start to recognize the LGBT movement, you start to see transgender pop up more in the main line, and then you would eventually have gay rights come about, which then quickly led to the whole transgender thing that we have going on now. But before we get into that, early 2000s, you saw a new phenomenon crop up. 
So in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, you see this term gender fluidity come. So gender fluidity cropped out of gender performativity. So gender fluidity claimed that gender is not fixed or objective. So since gender is separate from sex, and since gender is influenced by behavior or influences behavior, or at the very least is discovered, there isn't really an objective stance to gender. Rather, it's subjective to how I feel, how I behave, and how I want to express myself. So since gender is an expression of identity or the product of repeated behaviors, therefore, if behavior changes, you identify differently and your expression may change. Therefore, gender is fluid. It's, it's up to the individual how they want to express themselves. So as you can kind of tell, this is leading us down this rabbit trail of thinking. And this is becoming more and more mainline as we keep going down. And so this came around in the early 2000s, late 90s, following the performative gender thing. And then this leads us into the transgender um, phase or the transgender argument. And I don't want to say this as if transgenders never existed before this time. No. Transgender was, as I said, something that has been observed from history throughout time, whether you have what you might call gender dysphoria or you, however they worded it, they worded it a lot of different ways. But you see this type of thing going on for a while. But within the West specifically, it only becomes really relevant and mainline in the mid 2000s following all these other philosophies that cropped up within academia and within the medical society from these philosophers that I mentioned and from some of these doctors that I mentioned, you start to see this trend coming forward, leading us into what we would have now today. And so you had what you would call transgenderism. So transgender behavior and surgeries and so forth were becoming much more open, much more mainline. And you can even see this through the statistics. So if you would, if you look at statistics, the self-identified reports of people self-identifying as transgender increased from the early 2000s to now rapidly. And that's because it became more socially acceptable. So as gender theory was being taught in academia in the 70s, in the, like the 90s era, when you start really seeing gender, gender theory being really taught within academia to students, you start to see it, you start to see gender expression increase from the 90s to now and you see that's your statistics and this is also the case that this is a newer phenomenon because most of these statistics also show that majority of transgender people are within the younger generations so most transgender people are within my generation the gen z or the millennial generation majority of them are within that range there are still some who are middle-aged or a little bit older but by and large most transgender people are younger they're under the age of 40. so this goes to show the influence academia has, has had on it since the 80s, 90s era. This also shows the influence that social media and internet has had since it became popular in the mid-2000s. And it's just to go to show that this is a little bit of a newer mainline phenomenon rather than an older phenomenon that was acceptable for a long time. So statistics show that from the early 2000s to now, there was rapid growth in self-identified transgender people, and specifically among the younger generations. And that is, again, thanks to what you have, what we see within academia and within these philosophies cropping up throughout the Western history. So now today, we have over a million people in the U.S. who identify as transgender. I think the specific one, number was like 1.4 million, roughly. And again, predominantly younger people, um, millennials and below, under 40, stuff like that. Um, this, however, does not include what we would call gender identities, 
which are many and have been developed through academia as well and through internet influences. So there's tons of gender identities out there. And there's tons of theories on how gender works and operates and how people identify. Specifically, for this, ep for this series, we're going to focus on the argument of transgender, uh, whether or not it is actually possible for someone to be a woman while they're a man and transition or so forth and so on. And the idea of gender theory is gender and sex, two separate things completely at the very least. So we're going to focus on those. We could, we might one day talk, uh, tackle the topic of multiple gender identities or the binary. But as of now, we're going to focus on that. But yeah, so that's kind of the breakdown of how this all came to be within the West. You had the feminist movement in the 60s separate gender and sex because it, it was oppressed. Gender stereotypes are oppressing women. Then you had the LGBT movement pick that up and say, well, since gender is separate from sex, that means gender is expression and not fixed per se. Therefore, it's not really objective or at the very least, it has to be discovered by the individual, which then led to some form of gender performativity where behavior influences identity or identity influences behavior, which is the reverse of gender performativity. And then you see gender fluidity come out of that saying, well, if gender is subjective, then I can identify however I want which then leads into the transgender movement saying, well, if it's okay for people, if, it, if gender is separate from sex and it's subjective and anyone can be whatever gender they want to be, well, if, a, if I feel like a man, that means I am, if I, feel, if I have woman biology, but feel like a man, well, I'm actually a man now, at least as according to my gender. And then you see the transgender movement pop up and this became more mainline as academia taught it more from the 90s forward. And this is review, reflected in statistics especially in the younger generation. But yeah, so that was a crash course in some quick gender theory and transgender history. If you're interested and intrigued in learning more about this topic and seeing what people have to say for and against it, check in on the next episode. We're going to be breaking down some of the different arguments that are presented about this topic. And hopefully, um, every, hopefully <laughs> no one gets canceled or anything for this, but it should be a lot of fun. So please check it out. And if you like what you hear, again, subscribe and follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And you can also check me out on Instagram and Twitter and my website, ltuworld.info. And again, check out that interview that's coming out at the end of this month. It's going to be a doozy. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope you guys, and I, I know you guys will like it if you're into movies and all that type of jazz. So thank you. And now, friends, please go out there and like the world. <laughs>